0: Italy is seeking UNESCO World Cultural Recognition for Italian Espresso, according to The Guardian, a British newspaper. According to the report, 90% of Italians drink coffee daily, presumably, that number only counts the adults. Still, the number seemed a little high, but there is no arguing that the drink is a daily staple for millions of Italians. Parts of the world are excited about the third-wave coffee move, and previously unexplored flavors that can be obtained from different varietals, fermentation techniques, and brewing methods. But, Italian espresso has remained steadfast and consistent with its own unique flavor, preparation and ritual, and this is what the country seeks to claim as a cultural and ritual heritage. Anyone who has spent time in Italy knows what to expect when they order an espresso. None of my Italian friends has told me they want to see the Italian espresso evolve into something new. As a classic design, there is elegance and beauty that doesn't need reinventing. This is what the Italian Department of Agriculture wants to see recognized as a symbol of Italian culture and heritage, as the Italian Agriculture Undersecretary put it. It is an authentic ritual and an expression of our sociality that distinguishes us around the world," said John Marco Centineo, the agriculture under-secretary. What separates an Italian espresso from any other? Most forums talk about Italians using a darker roast or a majority can of fora, robusta, blend to create their signature intense flavors. But this is an oversimplification as each roaster will have its own blend, usually mixing Arabica from Brazil with can probably of Vietnamese origin, or from Uganda, or Southeast Asia. The new book, Coffee Experts, has a section written by Andrea Bazzara, sales export manager for Bazzara, one of the original Italian coffee companies, in which he discusses the fact that Italy hasn't experienced a specialty wave in the same way that some other countries have. Italian espresso is basically the same as it was 10 years ago, and I don't see that as a problem. For a technical definition of Italian espresso, we can look to the Italian Espresso Institute, which has positioned itself as a de facto judge of what standards the beverage has to meet if it is to be called Italian espresso. Here is the definition of the requirements taken from their website. On site. A certified Italian espresso has a hazel-brown to dark-brown foam, characterized by tawny reflexes, with a very fine texture, absence of large mesh and larger or smaller bubbles. The nose reveals an intense scent with notes of flowers, fruits, toasted bread and chocolate. All of these sensations are also felt after swallowing the coffee in the long-lasting aroma that remains for several seconds, sometimes even for minutes. Its taste is round, substantial, and velvet-like. Sour and bitter tastes are well-balanced, and neither one prevails over the other. There is no, or a barely perceptible, astringent taste. If you have not yet seen UNESCO's cultural heritage website, then it's worth a look. They have made a fascinating interactive mind map linking all the cultural heritage items in a network of related concepts. For example, There are currently only two cultural heritage items under the coffee concept Arabic coffee, a symbol of generosity, and Turkish coffee culture and tradition. The Italians seem likely to add a third item to that map the Honorable Italian Espresso. Last Wednesday, U.S. coffee chain Starbucks announced that employees of the company aren't required to be vaccinated against COVID 19. This announcement riled up many causing the company to face severe criticism and calls for boycott. The decision by the company came a few days after the reversal of President Joe Biden's workplace mandate by the Supreme Court of the United States, SCOTUS, arguing that the policy overstepped executive authority. Not long after the announcement, the hashtag #BoycottStarbucks Starbucks was trending on social media, where many went to express their disapproval of the decision. The hashtag became one of the top trending topics on Wednesday afternoon. Some swore to not go to Starbucks again, but others supported the company's decision. Previously, Starbucks was putting in place the company's rule for vaccines, employees had to be fully vaccinated by February 9 or opt for weekly testing. Even though the mandate has been revoked, Starbucks is still encouraging its employees to be vaccinated and also boosted. Starbucks Chief Operating Officer John Culver stated, I want to emphasize that we continue to believe strongly in the spirit and intent of the mandate. Thank you to the more than 90% of partners who have already disclosed their vaccination status, and to the vast majority who are now fully vaccinated. Even though the announcement caused a big commotion, this decision made by the company might not affect the business as much. According to brand marketing expert and social media pundit, Scott Steinberg, regardless of the decision, people on both sides will be vocal about the matter. He also stated, Today you're very much damned if you do, damned if you don't. As long as we stay this divided, from the corporate standpoint, companies will continue to risk alienating this segment of the market. Chinese coffee shop company Luckin is expected to file for a relisting on the stock exchange as soon as Q4 for this year, in what could be the most incredible turnaround story for any coffee business. The company has yet to complete its bankruptcy process in the US after it was forced to pay $180 million to settle a lawsuit after admitting massive $300 million fraud. Sources have come forward that say once the bankruptcy is complete, the company is planning to relist on the U.S. exchange, suggesting that the company's improved profits and impressive growth of 106% over the last year will make it an attractive proposition for retail investors hungry for a turnaround story. The company's earlier misfortune was meant to have been a green light to Starbucks in the country, who planned to pick up the market share lost by Luckin during the scandal. Yet the new management has outmaneuvered Starbucks in the local market. Luckin has 500 more stores than Starbucks and is making products that the Chinese market wants, retaining their patronage despite a country management reshuffle at the Seattle giant. There is a plan to remove some of the obstacles to the company's relisting, including the sale of the remaining shares, about 17%, owned by Charles Liu, the previous CEO, who was highlighted in the fraud. The company has continued to pay down their fine to the US market regulator and still trades its shares in the -the over-the-counter OTC market. They make financial reports on time and have changed auditors. While comments from US investors have been overwhelmingly negative upon hearing the news, a good financial story will likely be too attractive for all investors to ignore. But as one observer wrote, fool me once luck in shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Melbourne Coffee Roastery St. Ollie has come under fire online over its promotion of two free rapid antigen tests with purchases of coffee or merchandise over $159.99. The offer was sent through text message to special VIP customers. In the text, it said, we've been fortunate to secure a limited number of rapid antigen tests for our staff families, and friends. As a special VIP customer, we'd like to extend these to you too. St. Ollie sent out the offer message just a day after an announcement by the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission claiming they have significant concerns regarding the prices and availability of rapid antigen tests after receiving more than 1,800 reports of price gouging from the public. According to ACCC chair Rod Sims, any test costing more than $30, even with supply constraints, is almost certainly too expensive and would seem to be taking advantage of the current circumstances. The offer message created online backlash on Twitter and Reddit, which Saint Ollie responded to with a follow-up apology text message. We recently procured some rapid antigen tests for our staff and their family. We had some surplus supply So we sent a text message to some of our subscribers offering two free rapid antigen tests with a minimum order value. We believe this was a way of supporting our customers who purchased from us regularly, but the message has been lost. We can see in hindsight it was inappropriate. We are very sorry. Other products offered on the website like contactless thermometers, hand sanitizers, and pulse oximeters were taken down as well. The company also said that it will donate any other tests it receives to Father Bob, a South Melbourne charity. The consumer watchdog in Hong Kong found that more than 95% of coffee samples tested contained cancer-causing substances. The Consumer Council tested 49 types of coffee products and found that 47 contained the carcinogenic genotoxic acrylamide. Acrylamide is a genotoxic carcinogen and neurotoxin that can cause cancer when the subject is repeatedly exposed to high levels. The products tested included coffee beans, capsules, powders, and instant coffee. Instant coffee contains the highest levels, which range from 160 to 790 micrograms per kilogram, compared to other types, which were in the range of 53 and 240 micrograms per kilogram. Taster's Choice by Nestle, original soluble coffee had the highest amount of acrylamide, at 790 micrograms per kilogram. Other instant coffee brands with high levels of the substance included the following Tesco Gold Rich and Smooth Freeze Dried, MNS Food Italian Style, Meadows Gold Roast Freeze Dried, and Select Instant Coffee Classic. The two products that did not contain the substance are Opal coffees, Taraja Drip Coffee and the Coffee Academics TCA House Blend, specialty coffee capsules. As a response to this study, Nestle claimed that the detected levels of acrylamide fall in the European benchmark Safely levels of a maximum of 400 micrograms per kilogram for roasted coffee and 850 micrograms per kilogram for instant. Chairwoman of the Council's Research and Testing Committee, Nora Tam Feng Yi, stated that while the acrylamide content in coffee is lower than in fried foods, consumers should pay attention to the amount and frequency of consumption when drinking coffee to reduce the intake of acrylamide. Tam also urged manufacturers to review raw ingredients and production processes to minimize the formation of this substance during coffee-producing stages. However, the council's chief executive, Gili Wong Fung Han, is adamant that excessive consumption of the coffee products in this study can negatively affect health over the long term, despite a previous Center for Food Safety study concluding that there is minimal health risk from acrylamide exposure. The surging demand for coffee affects the world, and environmentalists and scientists are researching more sustainable methods of coffee production. In just the last three decades alone, there was a 60% increase in production due to the rising demand for coffee, according to the International Coffee Organization. However, the increase in output also means an increase in the resources required to support the production, which impacts the environment, notably increasing the risk of further deforestation and using large quantities of fresh water. As stated by the Water Footprint Network, 140 litres of water is needed to produce 125 millimetres of coffee. Deforestation in Brazil, the world's biggest coffee-growing country, reached its 15-year high in the Amazon rainforest, according to a report by Brazil's National Institute for Space Research. Between August 2020 and July 2021, it lost 13,235 square kilometres, which is 22% more than the previous year. This is one of the premises used by scientists who want to research alternative ways to make coffee. In Finland, scientists are researching sustainable, lab-grown coffee as others are doing, like Otomo in the US. Finland's BTT Technical Research Centre successfully produced coffee cells in a bioreactor through cellular agriculture. Instead of starting with coffee beans, coffee is made through frozen, dried powder produced in the lab. After roasting the powder, it is brewed, similar to a regular cup of coffee. The scientists say they are looking for ways to augment rather than replace the coffee farmers. So speciality coffee will stay special, but they hope one day to reduce the amount of resources required to create the large-scale commercial and lower-grade products used for example in instant coffee. This innovation has potential one day to remove a few of the issues the coffee industry is currently facing. For example, deforestation is not required for production, nor the usage of significant amounts of freshwater, since these bioreactors can recycle the water used. On top of using this bioreactor means coffee can be produced at any time with temperatures and weather conditions being controlled. Not only can this solve the supply volatility, but it also eliminates the transportation process, traceability, and transparency issues. Even though it could take at least four years to get regulatory approval for this lab-grown coffee, there is already interest surrounding the product in Finland, which is one of the world's largest coffee consumers per capita. However, technology for this innovation is costly. Despite its overwhelming benefits, according to CEO of World Coffee Research, Jennifer Long, priority for investments is given to more urgent humanitarian issues in the coffee industry. Long stated, Coffee research is a distant priority and you have more pressing humanitarian priorities. Many low-income countries are responsible for delivering coffee to the world but haven't been able to invest in ways that would enable their farmers to reduce risks. Currently, there are programs like those by World Coffee Research and Conservation International who help the industry through practical research projects that are used to impact the wider industry today. Innovations such as this one, however, are a long way from making a difference to the global production landscape, although even projects with distant horizons need to start somewhere. US coffee giant Starbucks partners with Chinese shopping platform Meituan to expand its delivery and online services in China. Matewan is the biggest food delivery platform in China, as well as one of the most popular, super apps, referring to apps that offer several services in one. Even though there's already the regular Starbucks app in China, the Meituan app will provide more customization options. According to Starbucks, This partnership is the delivery debut of its Starbucks reserve range in China, which has a more premium range of coffee. In addition, members of the Starbucks customers' rewards scheme called Starbucks Rewards will still receive the same benefits on the MateOne app. On top of the online experience, the two companies also work together on offline experiences. The Meituan app offers services like reserving areas in selected China stores for private events and signing up for events and activities organized by local stores. Starbucks stated that 60 of their Beijing, Shanghai, Shenzhen and Qingdu outlets are now available for these services through the Meituan app. Starbucks also plans on expanding its offered services on the app further, including a unique page for every one of its 5,000 stores in China by the end of the year, where users will be able to order coffee and browse through local events and activities. As users in China prefer using these super apps, this partnership with Meituan might potentially assist Starbucks in its position in its biggest market outside of the US, as the company faces increasing competition from local businesses.